Trying to bliss out. Om Good luck. <laughs> that sounds like you're ordering shawarma. Om <laughs> I, I actually, that's some kind of mantra thing. It, it must have been during the pandemic mm-hmm. where I was trying to learn how to do, uh, you know, meditating. And I started reading this thing about those mantras and those are the names of gods or something. I can't remember what it means. And so today more than any day yet, I am learning how to just tune all of the noise out, all of the um, distractions and the things you could complain about and just accept what's going on. Let's just have a moment of silence. Shall we? Let's do it. Ready? Mm -hmm. We're going to silence. We're going to bring it back. Starting now. Guess what? Guess what? Holidays right around the corner. Is it Thanksgiving Day? Yes. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We're gonna stay grateful. Yeah. Do you want to tell them what happened this morning first, or should we just? You want to read your spiel, and then we can tell them what happened. How about before we start? Um, so you guys may remember in uh, previous episodes in previous years, every once in a while, my car doesn't start. <laughs> it, was, it was every week there for a while. It was happening a lot, and I thought we had fixed the problem. Um, but alas, uh, yesterday I was racing home to uh, get on the train to see uh, my son Noah do something in the city, and I pulled into CVS, and when I came out, my car wouldn't start. So I walked home. And my wife picked me up halfway, and we headed to the city, and I left my car in the parking lot all night long and hmm. because uh, I just couldn't do it. So this morning, I woke up like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And what did I do? You called me. Mike came to the rescue. <laughs> so we jumped the car, and here we are. You see? And it rhymes. And I'm you grateful to You forgot about the part here. where I had to push your car oh, yeah, out shit. of the parking spot halfway across the parking lot. That was the best part. I'm so sorry I missed that. And what kind of car is that? It is a 2012 Honda Civic. Now, I don't mean to brag. It was pretty amazing. But pushing I was the in car it. was actually fairly easy. But And I was in it. And you were in it. And I'm, I weigh a lot. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were man. gonna put it in neutral and then hop out and also push. Well, I had to. I had to. I thought about <laughs> it. And we were I'm like, going straight back. You looked okay. <laughs> I would so didn't, didn't know what need to, do. to steer exactly. <laughs> I don't know what's like the proper thing. I'm like, to why do is there. why am I the old man? You were pushing doing the great. Car. I, you listen. It was very important that I steered properly. I was backing up. Except, and, but you told me we you're were like going, straighten it out. Yes, you told me to straighten because, it out. Yes, because we needed to go straight. <laughs> So, but the, I had back. to be guiding straight it straight back. <laughs> there anyway. But he, great job! I couldn't believe the incredible Mike <laughs> just hulking up, <laughs> pushing my car in neutral as I sat there, my knees smirking, c- coming out. And uh, so that was the morning, guys. That was but it. here we are. So uh, I was thinking. Wait, are oh, we back? Yeah, go ahead. Do the fuck. 
do the thing. Sorry. <laughs> and we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. I'm Mike. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. It's the RMA Thanksgiving Spectacular. Come join us in the cornucopia of addiction recovery and entertainment as we attempt to keep an attitude of gratitude amongst the platitudes in the midst of so much pain and suffering. All this and more today on a very, very special Thanksgiving edition of RMA. Hey, hey, and welcome back to another week of excitement here at Castle Grayskull Studios. I didn't think we were going to get it done this week, but no, we got it done. I did not want to leave everyone hanging. It's an important show. Um, it's where we express our gratitude for all of the monsters, our family, everyone that's helped us recover and supported us. And Yes, all um, of you good folks. We love there. you. Yes, we do. I'm thankful for you. the monsters. I'm thankful yeah, for you. I'm thankful for you, Nat. Because without you, I wouldn't have gotten my car started this morning. Without you, I'd probably still be drinking. That's right. <laughs> Almost definitely. Uh, um, yeah, samesies. So you're a uh, yeah. you're a church man of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you? You're a yeah. you're a pastor, or no? <laughs> what are you? I'm a Sunday school you're teacher. You're a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. And I teacher. hang around churches. <laughs> but, um, we have why fun. why can't you take a turkey to church, Nat? That is a great question. Do you want to know why? Were they not baptized? Or <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, no, it's because they use foul language. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of music did the pilgrims like? What kind? Uh, Plymouth Rock. <laughs> so, this is the dad joke portion of the show. Plymouth Rock, everyone. Why did the uh, to continue on the music theme? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Uh, why did the turkey join a band? I don't know. Because it had the drumsticks, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel free to use these at your Thanksgiving meals. Yeah, I mean, you know, if your uncle starts talking about politics, you can always. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, yes, where should they find us? Maybe we should tell them where to find us. I, I will tell them that after I after I ask you one more question. Oh, what? Um, what? Uh, what happened to the pilgrims when they undercooked their turkey? What? They got the turkey trots. <laughs> uh, this episode of RMA is brought to you by the Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon. What is it? I don't know. To members pay uh, money right. to talk to us on Discord. It's the super fan or um, the just hang out with us and support the show. You plunk down three bucks a month and uh, we hang out on Discord. And we send, uh, we've got this cool merch that Noah designed, my son. Really? Yeah, he did those oh, logos. Oh, the, I'm like, this is new thing. <laughs> is it now? It, it ships after three months. Um, but the best part is some of the, uh, s- some of what goes on on the Discord. Where yeah. We're supporting each other. There's monster meetups now. Um, of course, that's not you know limited to people. No, anybody Discord, can go to that monster meetup. This is where everything gets planned, guys. This is where we talk it through. I like to go on there when I'm feeling lonely or I have something random I want to say that I don't know who else to tell because I know you guys get me so I can just plunk it in in there. So Recovery in the Middle Ages, uh, it's patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. Yes, come join, come join. And uh, not only that, um, visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. It's being worked on. I know I keep saying So don't go there yet. Podbean, (laughs) Apple Podcasts. Stop telling them to go there. YouTube. Um, and X, so 
Uh, come hang out with us and uh, drop us a review, please. We love to read reviews on the show. It's good content. It's good to hear what you have to say, especially when it's five stars and all praise. Do me, do me a favor, folks. Yeah. Don't go to the website. Okay. Don't listen to the podcast. Okay. Just pretend we're not even just here. Think, yeah. Just, you know. <laughs> and if anything happens, it happens. Right. Uh, we have a hotline. Did anybody call in for the hotline officer? Or yes. Sergeant Joey said I got he was going to call in. Oh, I don't know if he did, but he I got... swore he would. I have a poem. We have uh, someone left a poem. We've got a poem, so call 516-888-6297 and uh, leave us a message. Say hello, we'll play it. And uh, speaking of... Speaking of which, I should probably do that now. But um, first, Recovering the Middle Age is also sponsored by Soberlink. Yes. When you know better, you, you do, do better. better. But sometimes doing better depends on the tools that are available to you. This morning, the tools that were available to us were my massive muscular biceps biceps the guns and uh and the uh, jumper cables yep uh, as yep. two men in recovery from alcohol use disorder we know how difficult it can be to seek help for a disease that's so stigmatized mm-hmm. so so stigmatized that's going to tie into our recovery in the news i got a doozy for you today mm. I, didn't, I did i even send it to you i think you I did think i did all right if you're struggling if I'm you're struggling. struggling i'm struggling today you look struggling if you're struggling to get sober sober link can help Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system was specifically designed to help in your recovery. It's not just some breathalyzer you buy at the store. No. Small enough to fit in your pocket and discreet enough to use in public or in front of your children. And I challenge you to use this in front of your children. In public. In public. Also, both. And you could so, do it. So everyone knows. With Soberlink, it's possible. Yes. Uh, because of the facial recognition, tamper detection, and real-time results. Friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. The system would have been a game changer for Nat and I during early recovery. Uh, it really would have been um, when, you know, accountability was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, Nat, for his part, can't think of a better tool for tracking and sharing progress and rebuilding trust and relationships, right? I, I absolutely You endorse cannot. that statement that I'm reading because I'm, only I can see the screen. My name Make- is Nat X and I approve this message. Yeah. <laughs> Are you running for something? Possibly. We just had an election. More of a limp. town. It was terrible. Yes. Make 2023 a memorable one. Visit www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages to sign up and receive $50 off of your device. And Mike will not middle hyphen your ages. I will not. Um, Soberlink is great. They're yeah. a good sponsor of the show. And moving on. They're the only sponsor of the show, so please send some love. Anybody out there know anybody that wants to be a sponsor? Yeah. Because we're just going to take the money and turn around and send it right back out. Yeah. I think I bought Grant dinner in San Francisco nice. and some, some of the money. You see that? That's have, where the Patreon dollars I actually have not go. taken that out of the Patreon account, nor, nor will I really. Mm. What I'd like to do with that money is yeah. like... Donate it to people. Yes. Like who are doing sobery things. There I just are, don't know what those are. There are literally tens of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Tens. Literally tens of dollars. You know, I, I would like to, um, you know, the Dopey Foundation is, is up and going. I'm always trying to have Dave do, you know, see what he's doing with it and try and like piggyback on it. Um, maybe uh, have some initiatives there. I love the idea of. Uh, scholarships to, you know, rehabs or support for recovery. <laughs> the amount of money I have, I think we could pay for like one day. Should cover somebody in rehab. Maybe, maybe like a cup of coffee. Maybe a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's an idea. Like when you go to rehab, is it like prison? Do you get like a bank account where people can put money in there so you can buy like cigarettes and stuff? Kind of. Yeah. Uh, it depends. I mean, every rehab is different. I'm thinking of mine. 
Yeah, money was a, a dicey thing because you, they don't want, like, addicts having their hands on cash and stuff. Right. So it was different at each rehab. Um, what about, yeah. like, you know. It wasn't, was there, like, a meal account? I'm not remembering. I know I had to have quarters. I mean, to I would do hope for like whatever it is, sixty thousand dollars a month. They would feed you and allow you to have snacks. They and should, coffee, right? Yeah, theoretically, I, mean, I remember the one I was at. They had like, like a school store type of thing. Oh, so you could go in there and buy. You could buy you shit know, yeah. like noodles and uh, <laughs> Newports. I think right. Newports are the most popular cigarette it's, in rehab, by the way. Maybe maybe we should start a foundation that just gives Newports to new addicts. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> Newports. I can, I don't know how yeah. else to describe it, but in rehab. Nothing is more valuable. Like if you have a pack of Newports to sell somewhere, no other pack of cigarettes commanded more respect and money than Newports. Did you you ever smoke those? Yes. I I was in rehab. You have to. During the crack days, they were like my favorite cigarette because... What is it about Newports? Because you get that nice burn in your lung that's very similar to like a... Other kind of burn? Yeah, Newport's the official cigarette of um, rehab. It makes your breath minty fresh. Yeah. But you, you could buy Lucy's at the at the bodega, though, and it was a quarter. A quarter. quarter for a uh, quarter for a Lucy. You get a Lucy Newport. So if you had, like, some change you found yeah. behind the couch and it wasn't enough to get a get a rock, you could just go get some Lucy's and Yeah, that was away. a major uh, hustle in rehab, but guys would bring in. I remember guys who were, like, pros at going to rehab. There were mm. some of them. You go there, and they were ready. Yeah. They had, like, a couple of cartons of Newports. They had a store going. They would sell them <laughs> loose. Like, there were guys that would go into rehab. They told me this probably full of shit, but they would plan it just to, like, make money mm. by selling contraband, basically. Wow. Yeah. I mean, couldn't they just sell drugs? Wouldn't that be a more efficient way of making it's money? way hard because you can't... It's hard to get drugs into these some of these rehabs, but cigarettes you're allowed to bring. If you can get them into like San Quentin, I would imagine you could get them into like Boof it. Daytop. Boof it. <laughs> right? I guess. Boof it. Yeah. Boof it. I guess you could do that. You could boof it. I don't know if you'd want to. Oh, before but, I forget. Don't forget. I had this weird experience the other day. Uh-uh. I'm going to uh, I'm going to Stop and Shop to get some, what was I getting? I was getting paper towels, right? Because mm-hmm. we were out of paper towels. And I... I walk up and there's this table set up right in front of Stop and Shop and there's these yeah. two guys. Sitting. I saw it. You saw it. Okay. What is it? Did you stop and talk to them? No, I, I avoided did. it. Oh, you I did. did. I stopped. I said, I, "Hey guys, how you doing?" You know, because it was some kind of recovery something or other, but it wasn't really clear what was going on because they had a lot of random items on a table. Yeah, I saw the word and then recovery. a donation bucket there, right. and I'm like, I'm trying to suss this out. Like, if I put like a couple bucks in there, do I get to take one of these weird bracelets or shirts that say Jesus is my recovery or something like things? But most of the stuff had nothing to do with recovery. It was just like stuff you'd find at like a random street fair or something. Huh. And these two guys are sitting there and I'm like, Hey, you know, I do a, you know, I co-host a podcast on recovery. You know, what brings you guys here and all this stuff. And it's getting sort of evasive answers. And then, um, the guy wrote down recovery in the middle ages and I'm like, okay. And, uh, apparently they have a, um, a rehab in Virginia somewhere in a town called Huntington, Virginia. And oh. I thought there was a Huntington, West Virginia, but I didn't know there was a Huntington, Virginia. Uh, maybe the folks they in the were, South will uh, let me know. And so they're just sitting there and collecting money. So I give them some money, right? And then they get all even chattier. Uh-huh. And there's an older guy and a younger guy. And, and the older guy's like, I got four months. And the younger guy's like, I only have two. Yeah. And I'm like, why is the rehab sending you guys out to hustle money? It's weird. You know, when four that months and two months. Too. And he and the guy who was older... Seem like he was either, I'm like, this guy's either on methadone or he's on the nod yeah. and this is some kind of scam he's running. I couldn't quite put my finger on what was going what? on. So I have the, I took a brochure 
and which looked like they had like printed them on a pieces of paper and they just sort of ripped the paper out like so irregularly shaped and stuff i gotta find it it's upstairs somewhere but yeah i don't know that was just weird i completely avoided it i did the move where i like waited for someone else did you ever like i I just did not want to be confronted by randos with tables outside so i hate that yeah but there are people so i I figured you know i didn't even make eye contact you know in new york city (laughs) when you when you worked in the city there's right you just don't make eye contact you keep going it's like you because yes. the minute you accidentally make eye contact with a uh, shyster like that, mm. they've got me. Yeah. The minute I'll always lock eyes and then it's too late and yeah, then they start then the talking to me. Opens. And I can't help myself when I get an opening and if it's like a chance for me to make a joke or right, right. find something out, I just keep going. It's really hard for me to shut it down. So I just didn't even look. <laughs> but that is that sounds very scammy. Well, yeah. see, I was trying to you know talk up the podcast and hopefully get a few more listeners and sp- don't don't we say at the end of every show that yeah. the best way to share to to, to, to spread to the share. RMA message is to share it with a friend? Yeah, I didn't. So even here know I am re- sharing it with friends. And, you did. And it. Who are strangers but friends we've not yet met? Right. Agreed. Agreed. They, so, they were friendly. I don't know. They were friendly, but also a little glassy. Yeah, glassy eyed. So I don't know. I don't like the. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, I got a, a voicemail. Yes. Let's see who this is. I know who it is, but I'm. I'm I wonder I'm creating tension. Who it is? Yeah. Apparently, apparently it's just dead air and my fucking phone's yeah. not connecting again. All I do is make myself editing work. It's so annoying. Isn't that fun? Well, you know what? The board just disconnects sometimes. Mm. I don't really understand. Mm. I'm supposed to be connected here. Blame the equipment. Yeah, well, it couldn't be my fault. Mm. I'm perfect. You are perfect. All right, hold on. Let's uh, try this. G-Money here ah. with a voicemail entirely inverse. So, yes, there's a good chance this could be the worst. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow has begun. Let's focus on this moment, what we're doing, not what we've done. Don't linger on the future or unfruitful hindsight. If we stay in the now, it's already all right. Let's be grateful for recovery's dance, a day at a time. Set to the rhythm of resilience, it's a new paradigm. Whether our choreography be 12-step or 8-fold path, moving forward in recovery, we rise like the phoenix from the ash. I'm thankful for my family, my kids, my cat, my wife. Thankful they put up with me when I brought them more than their fair share of strife. When life throws us hard things during the holidays and beyond, there's no need to suffer. Find thanks and connections with others and podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> when we pause to be grateful for all we have gained. If I hope he called back and finished the poem. That was, I don't know why that stopped. Here we go. Our thoughts to be in the moment contained. So if we've been thankful before we lie down at night, we'll be better able to say to ourselves, it's already all right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, or happy belated Thanksgiving to Kyle and all of our friends to the north, and um, grateful for RMA and the connections I've made. Thank you, Grant. To this, to this podcast, I think he says. Okay. Yes. Hey. Take care. All right. Sorry we butchered that. Thanks, Grant. Grant. Thank you, you know, so much. Apparently, when you when your phone like goes, oh, it just shuts it, it just off. shuts it off. Can Google and Apple and fucking Facebook just get their act together? Make and friends. Stop fucking with this shit. It's so annoying. Fix it. Fix it. All right. Fix it. Thank you. So you got anything from the Facebook group? I bet there is. Uh. Some some more messages of gratitude. Some attitude of gratitude. 
Um, yes. Yes, there is. Um, okay, so on the um, Recovery in the Middle Ages Facebook private group, um, Mike posted a little... So uh, That's me. That's you. Um, and he says... Hey, guys, next week is the Thanksgiving show. That's today. Perhaps you kind folks could engage in a little retrospection and let Nat and I know what you're thankful for. Practicing gratitude has really been a game changer for me. Even when my life is objectively shitty, finding something to be thankful for can shift my perspective dramatically. Usually. So what are you thankful for? Do you have a gratitude practice and what does it look like? Put in the comments uh, or if you're a little shy about that, send an email. Well, it's too late now, but you can still send an email to MikeR at MiddleAgesRecovery.com. I'll read it. Um, okay. That was the question Mike posed to the Monsterverse. And what are the answers? Because I'm still trying to pull ah. it up on my... So first, Ashley WB says, I'm grateful for my sober tribe, many of whom are in this group, and whom I've been able to share in-person experiences this year and have supported me through some challenges. Grateful that... Uh, at the end of this year, I've been alcohol-free for three calendar years. Not lunar years, calendar. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Always Congratulations. <laughs> it felt impossible now, and it feels unbelievable and amazing. Congratulations, Ashley. That's so awesome to hear. Uh, thank you for sharing that. As Mike's trying to cue up actual applause instead of... Um... <laughs> you may as well go on to the next one because yeah. I'm having technical issues. Okay, the great Amanda H. Uh, weighs in. She says, I am grateful for my husband. Not only is he my partner, he's also my best friend. He has been so supportive, patient, and encouraging to me uh, through my struggles with addiction. Times when he had every night to be mad and upset with me after some stupid drunken incident, he treated me with kindness instead. There were a few uh, times, not so much, but I deserved it. Uh, when I met him, I was drinking until I blacked out pretty much every day. And he was the reason I got sober uh, the first time. He has been nothing but supportive uh, through this relapse right now and believes in me. And thank you awesome. so much, Amanda. And thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, we're so glad that you you know, are talking about it. And that's, I think, the first step for me when I would relapse is when I finally would share it with my support group, it's just, it's so good. We can, you know, support you and, and make you feel okay about it and just get, getting back on your feet. So thankful for that. It's a big deal to, yeah. to, to stumble and then to come back on in a, in a public yeah, forum. That's the hardest and, thing for me. And, you know, bear your soul. And, but you're doing it in a place that, you know, everybody understands what you're going through and has been there. And, you know, we'll support you any way that we can. So hang in there. Hang you know, in there, man. Especially around the holidays when it's yeah. much more challenging to stay on the path uh, with all the pr external pressures. Stick with it. So uh, Melissa uh, uh, CK said, uh, every day or most every day, I text my sponsor three things I am grateful for. I've been doing this for 10 and a half months now. I am most grateful for the ability to be grateful. Wow. There was a time when I just listed stuff I should be grateful for. Now I feel it. I'm grateful I can look at my kids in amazement at the wonderful little gifts that they are. Wonderful little gifts. I've called my kids <laughs> little somethings, but yes. I don't know about wonderful little gifts. Gifts are not one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try. I am grateful for our Discord and Facebook group. I am grateful that I can look at my part and take action in my past and present suffering. Uh, I'm kidding. I love my children. I just, you know. They're great. It's just for comedic effect. Yes. Uh, Jill says that I'm grateful I'm able to pick up and drop off kids after 6 p.m. because I'm not half in the bottle. Hey. Grateful for one year alcohol-free on September 22nd. 
Yeah, I got it. Mm. Okay. Congratulations, Jill. <laughs> One year is fan freaking tastic. Yes. And then Aaron posted. Yes, Aaron. You have Aaron's? The great Aaron. Yeah. Whatever happened to her? Get smart. How come we don't have her back on the show? It wasn't her. It was us. We Why did sort we do of, that? Well, because just for, um, if you guys are new to the show, for a long time, we would have uh, every, I think it was like every fourth episode, yeah, Aaron would like come that. on and, and we would have, it was called Get Smart with Aaron Moore. And it, I mean, it still is called that. We just yeah. haven't. We sort of fell out of the practice of the regular shows, and we took a break, and yada yada. So yada, yada. maybe this is a perfect time, if she's willing, to to get a you know come back on and uh, tell us about. It. She's got some in- right interesting now? news. No, we should <laughs> just call her. Just call her. Like at work. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you may remember or not that Erin had come on the show to talk about her experiences uh, with a really um, a well uh, documented. And well-known, um, what's the word? And a really abusive um, recovery program that she w- had the misfortune of being a part of. Um, and I'm drawing up. Why am I drawing a blank right now? What it was called? But there was like a movie about it. This is oh, the, it was a Synanon based, uh, based recovery program, which is basically they they put you in a chair, put you in the center of the room, yeah, it's, uh, it's abuse you, try to break you down, make you wear signs and funny hats and wash dishes for twenty years and stuff. Yeah, and there there's documentaries about it too. Last House, I think, on the left might be what it was called. But in any case. Erin has wrote a lot about her experience. She's like basically blowing the whistle on everything that went on along with some other brave people. And she came on our show um, to talk about it. And so this is what she just wrote on the, uh, to some updates. Um, and Erin's um, being grateful on her Thanksgiving mm-hmm. post, I think. She writes, so I feel like everyone who is a fan needs to hear this. And I've said this nowhere else online. So it's an exclusive Remember the first interview Nat and Mike asked me to do about the abusive cult rehab program I was in? That was the <clears throat> excuse me. That was the first of several interviews I have on this when I first started writing about it in 2020. Uh, I'll be forever grateful for them uh, for believing in me and being willing to put it out there in the world. I was granted the right to sue them right before the uh, CA. Uh, statute, I guess it's California statute, statute of limitations, limitations yeah. on child abuse closed in December 2022. All right. The suit is now in full swing to hold them accountable for other survivors and to try to ensure that they can't hurt anyone else. It's no fun, but it's partly due to uh, Nat and Mike being willing to stick their neck out and allow me to speak publicly for the first time about this. Gosh, did we open ourselves up to legal liability? By I doing that? was just thinking that. Um, <laughs> I'll keep you posted. Uh, if you didn't hear it or I forgot, feel free to find it and re-listen. Yeah, we should post a link to that uh, episode. Oh, yeah. Um, they couldn't have made me feel more comfortable in, share, in sharing this dark uh, experience. And Aaron, thank you so much. It's our pleasure. And you were so brave for coming on. Yes. And like, what do we know? You know, you're the strong one in this. We're just... You know, um, it's so great that you're, you're writing, and she's got this website that she was posting her blog on. I think it was called Falling Phoenix. Yeah, um, I haven't been on there in a while. But either you guys .com, go check or, it out. You know, we'll we'll post a link to that. You can read her experience, and uh, so thankful for you, Aaron. And I hope, um, I hope we can get you back on. And this would be interesting to hear. You know, kind of firsthand uh, yeah, how it's going, yeah. getting an update, and so thank you so much, Aaron. Sometimes when you can you can exert public pressure yeah. on a defendant in a lawsuit, and they become more interested in. I mean, I settling. never thought about our show as like public <laughs> record, really, but you know, it is out there. It's out there. Uh, anyone who, who can find it, 
So. <laughs> don't listen. Don't go to the website. Uh, just a, a quick program note. Not a program note. A note about a program. Is this NPR? I love this. A program <laughs> note brought to you by the Helena Rubenstein Foundation. I was uh, I was listening to you guys. You ever listen to Rich Roll podcast? Never. Rich Roll was on. About. He was on Dopey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave interviewed him. You, you know, he's talked like the, about him. He's the vegan, you yep. know, um, ultra marathoner who. He, so he, every once in a while, he does a show on a recovery. His book is great. His book, Finding Ultra. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to get him on the show. I think I'm going to try. Oh, can you imagine we got that guy? Yeah, he does. He's he does, he does things for recovery. Does he? You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's. Anyway, uh, I couldn't help but notice uh, this past week that he had on uh, Chris Heron. Remember him? No shit. Yeah. yeah. Basketball Diaries guy. Yeah. He's great. He goes and speaks at schools. Yes. Uh, tries to keep... His big thing is like keeping kids um, away from or talking about what happens on the first day. The first day that you are uh, exposed to or or use drugs or whatever. And because most people try and, you know, get you on the back end, but so to speak. But he... Goes to the, goes around the I mean, reaches around the front. Anyway, you know, I didn't so, go to Catholic uh, school. So, <laughs> <laughs> you should um, check it out. It's called uh, "Against Old Hope, All Hope." Former NBR and NBR Stang NPR <laughs> and former NBR Stang. star Chris Heron on addiction, sobriety, and service. It's a great conversation. It came out five days ago, uh, and I, I Rich is a great interviewer, and I think he's at his best when he's doing uh, recovery stuff because it's something that's so close. Yeah, to, he's to passionate his heart. about yeah. it. Um, um, Nat, are you or somebody you know ready to look for treatment for addiction, but don't know what type of treatment you need or where to find it? Yes, me too. Well, not really, but it can be difficult to find trustworthy information. Agreed. That's why the national nonprofit organization Shatterproof created TreatmentAtlas.org, a free and confidential online tool to help you guide you to the care that you need. So our friend Grant is uh, works for Shatterproof. Shatterproof. I think they should have a signature like someone saying Shatterproof. Yeah, or maybe a, a, a graphic of like a, yeah. a window. Boom. Yeah, it except like, not shattering. Boom, just yeah. exploding yeah. letters. Yeah, yeah. Shatterproof. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my marketing and branding mind is going, yeah. like, should, ready? Ready for it? Shatterproof. Okay, Shatterproof. Treatment Atlas allows you to search by location, by insurance or payment options accepted, and even by ser uh, services or types of medication-assisted treatment provided. An easy-to-use 10-question assessment can help you determine the most appropriate treatment, compare facilities based on how well they follow best practices in addiction treatment, and based on reviews from people who have received treatment at a facility. Yeah, and you can be sure that... Synanon-based, 0 out of yeah, 10, don't recommend. A website like this is great because there's a lot of these hucksters out there kind of scamming people in those desperate situations to sell those leads to rehabs That's that are right. not that ethical. Body brokers. It, it's a bad, bad business. So Shatterproof. Shatterproof. It's like, <laughs> really, I'm, I'm going to make that stick. Yes. That's going to be the brand. Yeah. Like the Nike swoosh, but audio. Right. Shatterproof. Okay, so... <laughs> It's a trustworthy. <laughs> I'm on a roll with you. That. Are you are? That, okay. Dunkin' Donuts coffee is going right to your <laughs> fucking nervous system. Good shit, man. I was ready to fall asleep, <laughs> and here I am, coming up with an ad campaign. So, <laughs> it, it's really trustworthy, and I think that's number one: is you can trust that the results they are giving you are not like some schlocky Florida lead aggregator just trying to like. It's not sell some you. schlocky lead aggregator you buy in the store. <laughs> right. <laughs> Use it in front of your children, assholes. Fucking <laughs> do it. Treatment Atlas currently includes addiction treatment programs in 11 states. 
And by the end of 2023, it will also include Wisconsin, Indiana, and Connecticut. Wisconsin has a lot of uh, drink drinking. Yes. Yeah, a lot of cheese heads. Lots of cheese. So if you need help finding treatment or if you'd like to re- leave a review for treatment that you've received, that, that could be fun, I would imagine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, go to treatmentatlas.org. Um, yeah. Br- brought so. to you by Shatterproof. You see that? I've, yeah, yeah. Now everyone's going to think of it when they yeah, see yeah, Shatterproof. Yeah. They'll probably sue me for that. Uh, I think I might have another couple of um, things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay. Yes. Uh, from the Discord. Um, hold on. We could talk about what happened on wrestling last night. Actually, I don't really. Um, mm. what, why don't you tell us what happened on wrestling? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tempted. Um Max had his play this week, everyone. I haven't done a life update in a while. Unknown caller. Yep. That's probably... I know who that is, and I'm not answering. Um, Yeah, so Max had his play last night, the fourth grade uh, middle school play, Finding Nemo Jr. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? It was an amazing production. It was Max's first play. Um, he did get injured moments before the the show started. What? What? Not a serious injury, I hope. It, It was... He's recovered, but it looked pretty bad when it happened. So he's recovered. Ten minutes to, he is recovered. Ten <laughs> minutes to show time. We're sitting in the front row. We've got our whole family there. Um, my mother-in-law, sister-in-law, my parents, friends, family, countrymen. And there's an announcement over the loudspeaker. It's said, Bill, the parents of Maxwell Kingsley, please, calmly, walk to the oh, back to see Oh, that's never a good announcement, son. right? Do not panic. This is what they said over the intercom or whatever. Everyone is like, oh, my God. You could see the look in everyone, every parent's face, like, <laughs> looking at us. We're like, okay, we stand up. We're like, what did Max do now? Because he's, like, very accident prone. Yeah. So we knew he must have hurt himself. We go backstage, so to speak, around the corner, out of the gym. He's standing there looking, you know, horrified, but he's not crying. The superintendent is standing next to him looking worried. The two teachers and, like, the nurse... And what happened was he's got what looked like a cut under the fold under his eye. Oh. And so it looked like a bad laceration, oh. which it wasn't, thankfully. Right. But because of the fold under the eye. <clears throat> and he's standing there, like, looking, like, oh, really freaked out. And I was like, Max, are you okay? Like, you know, calm down. It's everything. He's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And it looked really bad. Like, it was looked it like bleeding? It was bleeding a little bit, yeah. And so we're like, holy shit, what do we do? I mean, Max, it appeared he was going to be fine. So now the question was... <clears throat> who do make, we sue? Yeah, who do we sue? <laughs> I mean, Ian is right there. I could sue him. Yeah. <clears throat> I would love to sue that guy. <laughs> he has great suits, though. He's he, a, does, he, looked, he cuts a dashing figure. Hey, it's Ian. But he's, I think he's morally bankrupt. But. but he was there looking concerned. In any case, we got the ice on his eye. You know, got it to stop bleeding. I'm like, Max. And the teacher's like, I don't think he can go up there. We can't have him make it worse. You know, they're thinking in their head, how many different ways can we get sued if this gets worse? So finally, we're like, Max, you know, he wasn't crying. He was like, he really wanted to do it. We got it to stop bleeding. And she said, well, it's an open wound. We can't have him go on stage like that. And I said, what? We got the whole family here. We're not coming back tomorrow with everybody. That's a reason to sue him right there. So I said, no. I said, get me a Band-Aid. Christine was there too. She's like, oh, get." she grabbed the (laughs) Band-Aid, cut it in half. Mm. After the, it looked like it stopped bleeding. It wasn't too bad. It was just an abrasion. Put the Band-Aid on. All right. And I said, Max, you going to do this or not? I said, if you want, you can walk away. I won't be mad. It'll be totally, everyone will understand. 
He looked at me, says, I can do it. And I said, all right, the show must go on. There you go. That's my boy. There's the boy. And he went out and did a great job. He had a bandaid on his eye, but that was a horrifying thing. I said, Max, what happened? You know, I'm like, right. He was being crazy. And he goes, well, uh, the um, table, the corner of the table hit me in the face. <laughs> and uh, just, just jumped up and hit said, him in the face. Said, wow. I said, we'll talk about it later. But, you know, yeah. please calm down. So that was my exciting evening this weekend. Jesus. You know, I heard that 160 kids were involved in that Finding Nemo production. It was huge. That it is was amazing. Ama- I've never seen a middle school, elementary school production looked quite like that. The sound was great. That guy who does the sound at the high school is phenomenal. Mm. Um, and it, everything sounded good. They had great music, you know, piped in, of course. You can't have a live band for a show like I mean, that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm such a snob. I'm like, where's the live music? They don't have an orchestra. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? So, <clears throat> but it sounded great. The kids did a great job, and I was, I was so awesome. proud of Max for uh, getting through That's it. That's fantastic, yeah. man. I, uh, I have to say, I've been very critical of the district in terms of the amount of money they spend on sports programs versus the arts, but it seems like they're, they have they're picking up, up, they're cranking it up a little bit. Big time. You know. And um, <clears throat> and Noah is the next one to be in a big yeah. play. He's the star, if you will, of the show. The It's the prequel to Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. It's his first big play. And, and he's, he's the lead. Like, he's the lead. Wow. And... Um, He's not even scared, and I'm so proud of him. I mean, it's like a, it's a real play. It's a big binder he's got to memorize. He's been having the friends over in the play to, like, go over lines. Yeah, so cool. <clears throat> and uh, I'm living vicariously through him, so very excited <laughs> um, what those guys are up to. That's great, man. It's keeping me busy. Yeah, I'll bet. But a lot of fun. Oh, and last thing I'll say about myself, because I hate talking about myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> last <laughs> night... <laughs> I hate it. That's why I have a podcast. That's why. Look at us. All we do is talk about ourselves. I hate talking. (laughs) So last night, the band got invited to play the halftime show at the Empire Games at Madison Square Garden. Wow. Which is just like some basketball tournament. And so we schlepped into the city to watch him um, play in the pep band. They played like Paint It Black and a couple of medleys. Paint It Black by the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. So very exciting time for performing arts in the family. Wow, the, the Kingsleys are, are, are a bunch of thespians. <sighs> and the next and thing performers. is... Hey, the pageant too. Christmas pageant's coming oh, up. Oh, shit. We're do you have to play singing? all the roles this year or you get you get some some fresh talent? We're the three okay. wise guys. It's me, Max, and my dad are the three kids. Again? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's too easy. Do you have anybody under 80 in that church besides you guys? There's a couple. One of them plays Jesus and the other one just throws up and screams the whole time. Does he look like Jesus? A little bit. Really? A little bit. Yeah. He's got a long beard and, and hair. Do you think he does that just for, for the show, or is he like yeah. that all the time? The baby? No. Oh, the, with the, the baby has the beard? Yeah. Because that's a little weird. It's a bearded baby. Yeah. Now, there are some kids this year, more than last year, so that's fun, and, and we're like all in for the holiday season. All right. That's me. That's you, Does that get filmed? Because yes. if it does, we should really should put it up on YouTube. Okay. We, fil- we filmed the last one, so there is a record yeah. of me singing one of the wise men's parts in, All right. a, in an empty church. <laughs> Crazy. Well, it sounds like you have a lot to be to be grateful I for. I have this so year. much. All of this stuff I complain about being so busy, all of the things in my life, even the fact that uh, my car this morning, you know, dying, really, I, I'm grateful I even have a... A license, guys. I don't know if you remember, but I couldn't drive for three and a half years. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful I have a car. I'm grateful I have such a good friend in Mike to come and help me in the morning. I'm grateful that I have this job 
that drives me nuts, but that I'm stressing about because I'm not just chasing dope around, wondering how I'm going to get the next fix. That's right. Um, it could be a lot worse. What story I'm going to tell my family to get away with it this year. Thank you, God, for um, all of the stress I have because it's good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, me. Thank all me, the stress. you, me. Um, do you hear about Snoop? Snoop has quit the smoke. No, what? he hasn't. What did he? Now, you'll appreciate this as a marketing genius. Yes. Okay. <gasps> so what Snoop Dogg did was he put out. Now, of course, those of you who don't know mm-hmm. who Snoop Dogg is, I don't know how to help you. I don't you. know what to tell okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Anyway, he has basically tied his entire identity to the consumption of marijuana from yeah. from gin and juice up to the present day. Laid back. Laid back. My mama. Back. And my mama ain't home till six in the morning. Six in um, the morning. I had to back this up is, off that shit. Well, uh, this is anyway, painful for uh, everyone. Sorry, guys. Okay. It's a couple of white, couple of white guys singing Snoop lyrics. <laughs> Nothing more than you wanted to hear. Mm. Uh, anyway, so Snoop being heavily invested. Did you know he did a <laughs> he did a, a duet with Willie Nelson? Um, mm. on a song called Roll Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die. I, I missed that one. Guys, go find that. It's, it's hysterical. Smoke. Anyway, uh, so he puts out this very cryptic uh, thing on X the other day. Uh, it said, I have decided to quit smoke. My uh, family and I appreciate your our, you know privacy during this period, right? Mm. And... Um, Every, of course, it sent the internet bananas. Yeah, everyone was and going crazy. If you read, if you read some of the uh, comments that people put on his his tweets and stuff, like in the days following, uh, it, it was really interesting because half the people were like, "Yo, you you know, you let me down, man. Like, yeah, you know, pot is you know, smoke is great." And then the other half are like, "If the guy wants to quit, leave him alone." You know, yeah. he's <laughs> to hell. So it was this whole like pro anti cannabis thing playing itself out in the in the in the comments but what what it turned out what he was doing was um it was an advertising campaign for a smokeless stove oh (laughs) yeah he's a genius and so he had the entire world talking about the fact that he quit smoke and then he just drops the next tweet and it's about this solo stove that is smokeless (laughs) and you can get like the you can get the uh the snoop dog bundle it's got like his initials like branded into the stove or something he's a fucking genius genius so he's still smoking pot yes oh yes of course but he had everyone very concerned and it's the first time i've heard someone you know planning an intervention for someone when they are giving up drugs yeah right people were like we have to talk to him i hope he's okay i know but it was like a sign of the apocalypse you know (laughs) Anyway, I, I thought we might spend some time this week delving into sort of the psychology behind uh, incorporating gratitude into the recovery process. Yes. How does that atti- sound to you? I want to have an attitude of gratitude. So I have an idea. It's 40. We've been at this for 42 minutes. Okay. Why don't we take a short break so you can go turn off your car that's been running in my driveway for to- 45 minutes? Are you sure I should turn it off? I'm After very 45 nervous. minutes, if the battery is not charged, then you need an alternator. Yes. And I'm hap- I'll be happy to push your car out of my driveway so we can jump it again uh, because the, car- the driveway slopes towards the street. We do have a picture of... <laughs> or maybe this time I will drive. Yeah. You drive it? <laughs> and you can push. I can push. I, right. I just... You look capable. Yes. And no, I, I appreciate that. And you know, us old, us old guys like to, you know... Yeah, you flex a show little. Show our strength. Hey, I still got it. I probably won't be able to walk later, but that's fine. All right, so... We'll we are be, going to take a short break. And we'll be... Right back. After 
these words. And we're back. And we're back. I forgot uh, Charlie said that he is thankful um, that RMA shows up in his feed every mm. Tuesday. <laughs> yes. And some other things that I'm not sure if I have, I'm at liberty to discuss. But uh, also on his Kratom podcast, um, two listeners have become co-hosts, so his work is split. Oh, cool. In thirds. So yeah. go listen to Charlie's Kratom podcast. You remember what it's called? It's called that Charlie's no, Kratom podcast. Charlie's Kratom. No, um, it's on the. Um, it's really interesting that this Kratom thing has become what it is. It's uh, the last thing I expected um, with Kratom, but I suppose give an addict uh, an inch and they uh, get addicted to it and yeah. ruin their lives. Are you still taking the Kratom? Yes. One scoop? I take. No, I don't even take a scoop. I have the shot a with shot. my coffee in the Kratom, morning. Kratom. Kratom so, shot. I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like. It crept, you know, and all of a sudden I've been doing this thing every day as part of a routine, just yeah. waking up, and now it's, like, all controversial, and I'm like, what's wrong with it? I, it's wow. been almost six years of sobriety for me, and it's been great. I, I don't know. I, I feel weird about it. I don't know how to I feel about feel it. I feel weird about it, man. I feel like not I should every, quit. Not everybody has... Uh, it doesn't ruin my life. It does. I don't know. I, but then that makes me think, well, if it's no big deal, why do I have to keep doing it? Right. And now I have to ask myself, am I in some kind of psychological cycle where when I wake up, I have to have my coffee and I have to do this thing or like, I don't know. And should I be thinking when about you went it? to California, were yeah. you doing it there? Yeah. Yes, oh. I was. Ah. I brought them with me. Inter- so is that Ooh. the sign of That's a- interesting? But I drank coffee on the trip. What about Mexico? I don't remember. Did you bring them to Mexico? I don't think I did. I think I didn't have it in Mexico because hmm. yeah, I didn't want to, I don't know what like the the deal was with the plane and everything. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm definitely thinking about it and I'm feeling like at some point, just because it's driving me crazy, mm. I'm going to have to just like, let's see what happens. Cause that's what I would tell somebody. Right. If, if you came to me and said, Nat, I don't know if I'm addicted to this thing and I'm hearing about it. People are having a lot of trouble. Uh, I would say, don't do it for a week. See how you feel. That's what I'm. That's yeah. what I'm trying to get at. So but maybe I, mean, I will. But if it's not a problem, then don't make it a problem. It's just everyone else is sounding like it's a problem. Yeah, but that's everybody else. Yeah. It's not you. Your experience is unique. Yeah, it's weird, right? We're all unique. What we're, do you guys think? We're I very should, special. We're special. We're special. Terminally Term, unique. Terminally okay. unique. So um, I don't know what you should do. I, I don't, don't think maybe you shouldn't do anything. I don't know. Maybe just keep on keeping on because if it's working, it's working. You know the the thing that doesn't worry me is I remember what my addiction patterns look like, my behavioral patterns of Mm -hmm. being dishonest, um, you know, just generally my life revolving around it. And that's not what's going on. I I don't lie about it. I'm talking about it in my recovery show. Mm. I don't lie to my wife. I don't know. It's just, I'm not getting that. Oh my God, I'm addicted. It's ruining my life kind of vibe from it, except from what I'm hearing. Yeah. It must be what someone who drinks casually feels like when someone goes it's evil it's the devil it ruined my life and they're going what i have a drink like every few months with my family or right. something you know it's it's interesting so what do you guys think those i are, should those do people are unicorns by the way uh, yeah i mean maybe i should go on charlie's podcast and talk it out with people i who think deal that's with a great this. idea i don't know charlie would would you be up for that if i'm just 
kind of asking questions. I'm not trying to say my way is right or anything. I'm, now you gotta, you're got you going to be interrogated by three co-hosts. Hey, I'm thinking about it, man. They're making me think about right. it. So yeah. maybe this is the... Uh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just I was just kind of curious. Yeah, it's you know, super I think interesting. Did somebody asked me, maybe Grant yep. asked me when I was out there if you were still still sipping on the cream. Yep, I take my shot and when I have my coffee. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's stupid and I'm just wasting money because it does nothing. Well, I mean, is it expensive? Like, how much is it? It's like I mean, it's not, it's $7 it's a little bottle. So it's not heroin. No. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not cocaine It's prices. not making me broke. I don't feel particularly different. So I'm starting to think it could be placebo. I think, you know, it's like coffee, right? I mean, like, I, I am. I don't know. Although I fully admit that I'm addicted to coffee. Right. Like so is that the worst qu- thing? If I had to quit coffee cold turkey. Yeah. Turkey. 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 You, you're, are you an addict to coffee? Are you resetting your day count because you've acknowledged you have to have coffee? Coffee know. has like no psychoactive properties whatsoever. I feel completely different after I have I, coffee. Well, I feel a little more up. A little more jittery. So am I, am I just a fucking junkie for, for caffeine? I, I guess I am. That's okay. Though. Cold turkey. I'm going to quit cold turkey. <laughs> Cold turkey. So we're grateful for the Monsterverse. Grateful for everybody, especially oh, on yeah. Patreon, guys. Do we, thank you we so much. share our individual gratitudes yes, before you, we go into the yeah. mega gratitude? Okay. I am grateful for my wife and my kids and this house and my job and you and this podcast and everybody out there because all of those things together make me the person I am and, and give me space for me to be like the best kind of person I can be. And I thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Oh, that was such a nice sentiment. Thank you, Mike. I'm thankful for you, of course. I mean, sometimes I wonder, if you hadn't gone along for the ride with me on this, where would I be right now? Where would we be? I, and I got to say this. I'm so grateful for Mike because when we started talking about a podcast, I have to say I never really thought I would do it. Mm-hmm. And the only reason we started it, it c- is because Mike just went for it. He's like, okay, we're doing it next week, and that's it. Yeah. And that started, because I wouldn't have done it. It would have been one of those things I just, yeah. So I'm grateful that we got this podcast going. I'm grateful for, of course, my wife, who is stuck with me. I'm grateful that my parents are still around. Wait, who has stuck with me or who is stuck with she me? She is both. <laughs> both. She is stuck. But thank God, and my kids and family and the, everything, I'm just... I'm grateful for all of my positive stressors. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, grateful for the Monsterverse. The it's, fact that you guys still listen to all of this. It's, never, it's a fucking never miracle. never ceases to amaze. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you, God. You always have to thank God. Thanks, God. Thank you, God. Wherever you are. Uh, the psychology. <laughs> He's let's watching. Don't let's worry. talk about psychology. Yes. Because... The psychology behind incorporating gratitude uh, into recovery is uh, is really interesting. Um, there's there's several conceptual things we should get out of the way. Um, but gratitude, when you think about cognitive behavioral therapy, right, which mm-hmm. suggests that our thoughts influence our feelings and behaviors. CBT, C- CBT, not CBD. So, I mean, in the in the recovery context, if you practice gratitude, if you have a gratitude practice, um, what does that mean? Like praying for? No, it means like. Or like okay, for example, her? like Melissa said that she te- texts her sponsor three things a day that she's grateful for. I like that. So there's your gratitude practice. Or maybe it's just getting up in the morning and standing in front of the mirror and saying, I am thankful for this, that, and the other thing, you know, whatever the, your three things are, mm-hmm. right? And it could be as simple as I'm thankful that I didn't uh, drink that beer this morning when I rolled out of bed, you know, or mm. whatever. 
or, or, you know, I'm thankful for my parents and my kids, whatever. Um, but it shifts the individual's focus from negative to positive thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're like me, sometimes you have this constant train of negativity running through your head. Like, oh, this sucks. You have gotten more positive yeah. since I originally met you, I have. by the way. Yes. I've become less cynical. I have noticed yes. this. Uh-huh. Well, the, the further you get into recovery, the more your brain starts to work. What do they say? That's the fifth year where you start to get your marbles you back? You get your marbles so back. So I'm starting to, one by one, I'm collecting the marbles that have been rolling around yeah. my life <laughs> it's for amazing. 20, 30 years. Um, it's back. So, I mean, if so if your focus is on positive thoughts all the time, that cognitive shift can reduce feelings of despair and depression, uh, yeah. which are ver- very common during recovery and promote uh, healthier ways of thinking, right? Um, fake it till you make it. And sometimes I just say gratitude. I have a whole thing yeah. on fake it till you make it because yeah. I was asking ChatGPT... <laughs> <laughs> whether fake it till you make it is like a legitimate thing, you know? And, um, yes. Yes. The idea of fake it till you make it with gratitude, um, is an interesting one. Um, again, it goes back to CBT, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy, which suggests that behaviors can lead the way for feelings. So if you engage in the act of expressing gratitude, even if it doesn't feel genuine at first, it can gradually shift your mindset. Uh, and over time, the practice can help you recognize and appreciate the positive aspects of your life rather than dwelling on the negative. Plus the neuroplasticity of your brain. Mm. Um, yeah, you train yourself. Even if it feels forced, the gratitude. It can alter the neural pathways in your brain, much like constant repetitive drug use altered the neural pathways in your brain. So you're attempting to rewire yeah. the machine. Um, it works. And it, it can lead to increased feelings of gratitude and well-being. And it also builds up a habit, right? The right. habit muscle. When something it. bad happens, like I, I do this a lot, something like inconvenient or bad, I immediately knee-jerk look for the positive side of it, which drives some people nuts. Because it can be considered toxic positivity, but... Oh, I, yeah, I got to watch that stuff. I knee-jerk react to just, okay, this is really bad, but I'm grateful that I had Mike come to, to jump the car. You know, yes, it's a, very stressful for me to go into Manhattan at 1 o'clock in a weekday, but I'm very grateful that, you know, I get to see Noah. I get to spend time with my family. So I try and get out of that uh, negativity. Well, here's, and that brings up an interesting question to me because there are people who are sort of hardwired more towards positivity and then there are people who are sort of hardwired more towards negativity. I think our hedonic, um, Ooh. you know, our, our hedonic, hedonic baseline is set at different places for different people. And I don't know if that's necessarily a, a genetic thing or if it's more like, um, you know, an accumulated experience baseline, you know, that takes you where you are, because if it's the former, it might be really hard for you to reset that. But, but I don't think that means you shouldn't try, you know, but if it's the latter, if it's an environmental thing, then you can certainly rewire by embracing positivity. So I just wanted to, when you said hedonic baseline, I got very confused. So I'm sure some other monsters out there might not know what that is because I definitely didn't. So when you say hedonic baseline, it's interesting. Did I use the term incorrectly? I think, you know, you used it right. Hedonic (laughs) adaptation generally states that humans return to a baseline level of happiness after experiencing positive and negative life events. Right. Huh. So So your hedonic adaptation baseline. So maybe people don't huh. even know what their hedonic baseline right. is if they've been frying their brain with chemicals for like 
20 years, exactly. you don't even know if you're a positive or a negative person because it's obfuscated by all of that yes. stuff. And that's scientific, too. One of the things we learned about in uh, rehab, they would have these brain doctors come to do seminars. <laughs> like, really? Uh, it was I'm interesting. Dr. Nick. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> so they, they showed us how what the chemical process is when you take, like, in your in your brain chemicals, um, when you feel a warm breeze, we've talked about this before, or mm. something nice happens, normal, your serotonin or dopamine hits a certain level, mm-hmm. and it's like, let's say at 100, it gets to 100 doing it, or 80. Mm-hmm. When you do cocaine or a drug, it spikes your, uh, I think it's dopamine, Yes. correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. busts through that um, but it's a very, right it's a very exciting amount of dopamine to have in your brain. But what ha- so that's why it feels so great. Yes. What happens so is you break the glass ceiling, so to speak. Yes. And then the next time you feel a warm breeze or your your wife looks at you the way she should look at you and you're in love, <laughs> not the way she looks at me when I'm like chewing too loudly. <laughs> you know. So it should make you happy, but you start to notice you get that anhedonia because you've pushed that yeah. the ceiling of, of feeling good. And then it also takes more cocaine to bust through the ceiling next time. So you're basically constantly like the rat ch- chasing its tail. Yeah. Um, but so, so a caution in the idea of faking it till you make it is the fact that the individual hedonic differences are so different that um, if you have if your set point is very low, trying to fake it till you make it can lead to frustration or feelings of failure if the genuine emotions do not come. Yeah. And so, it's hard to tell somebody, even if you don't feel it, smile. And maybe, yeah. But right? Because women love it when you go up to them and say, hey, honey, smile. Yeah. Why, smile. Why are you not smiling? Yeah. Right? I mean, nobody <laughs> likes that. Nobody likes it. I try and just do it by example. Like, when things are getting tense around the house, I don't know if this works with your wife, and you can see they're getting frustrated uh-huh. in a little bit. They're, they've got a low frustration threshold in LFT that day. And you can sense it. So I begin to overly be positive and try not. I'm not trying to minimize frustration. Right. You're just trying to manipulate I'm them. trying to raise the <laughs> lowest level of like that hedonic level or adaptation yeah. level to try and like say, oh, you know, this isn't so bad. <laughs> what I like to and, do is I like to drape a, a blanket over my wife's shoulders as if it was a cape and then say, now you're super angry. <laughs> that works really well. That's no, the I'm best kidding. idea don't do ever heard. <laughs> we never heard from him again. Yes, don't, don't do that. Um, so using the practice of gratitude to reinforce sobriety during mm. the Thanksgiving holiday, yes. right? Um, in the face of pressure to drink, you can approach this in several ways. And here comes a checklist of things that you can do over the holidays to maintain your gratitude practice. It's a practical guide for gratitude. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So practice mindful (laughs) gratitude. Take moments throughout the holiday to quietly reflect on aspects of life that you were thankful for. Well, we talked about this, Mm -hmm. which could include your journey in sobriety, your health, assuming it's good, uh, supportive relationship, or even small joys. This mindfulness can create a mental buffer against the urge to drink. Mm. How about some gratitude journaling? Yes. Leading up to and during the holiday, keep a gratitude journal. Regularly jotting down things that you're thankful for can shift your focus from the stress and temptation of the holiday to the positive aspects of your life and recovery. Now, Um, this sounds super cringy. I'm not fucking doing that. Can I just... (laughs) Let me just 
Yeah. Say one thing about this. All right, go ahead. Um, as I've said many times, I've been through way too much recovery therapy and groups and blah, 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 blah. One of the things that they convinced me to do, it was like required at one of these rehabs, was to do a gratitude list. Like every day you're supposed to make 10 things you're great. My sponsor at one point, same thing. And I was like, come on, man, this is ridiculous. But I have to say that the exercise of daily reflecting and forcing yourself to see positive things, it did have a positive effect on me, much as uh, I hate to admit it. So so if you're sitting in rehab and you have nothing else to do, yes, make yourself a gratitude journal. I don't even have time to take a shit <laughs> this week, so I'm not sure when I'm going to find time to gratitude journal. Even if you just think it, just like those affirmations, you can, in lieu of uh, journaling... Can I, can I just... Say, Narrate them into my phone. You could do that too. Chat GPT, give me five things I'm grateful for. So number three. Yes. Verbalizing gratitude. See, I... I, I'm ahead of you. That's a a segue. Share what you're thankful for with others. This can be during a Thanksgiving meal or in conversations. I'm thankful that Joe Biden is running for president of the United States again. You are. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. Never mind. I'm just... Just be careful what you're verbalizing and know your audience, I guess, is the lesson. Speaking your gratitude out loud not only reinforces it within yourself but can also create an environment of positivity and support around you you think that's true hmm maybe I'm thankful for all you motherfuckers this year i'm thankful yeah. i yeah. don't know i don't know it's maybe, a weird one does that make other people also feel gratitude it's like true. when i said i was grateful for you did you feel like a were you bathing in dopamine? It depends on my outlook. Like if I'm a person who's like that asshole, he's his life is so great, and now he's rubbing it in. <laughs> Fuck so him. it could be taken the wrong way. You know, the Schadenfreude comes out, and they just want someone to do bad. I think it's feel fair. good it's, about it. It's kind of complicated, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like because your gratitude and your feeling good is good for you, but what if other people feel like shit? And <laughs> you you, know, you expressing how great things are for you. And make will probably make them feel worse. So you know, should you verbalize your gratitude at Thanksgiving dinner? Well, I, my partner had a saying he thought was funny. He said that applies here. You have a male partner? I do. <laughs> Lifetime How's that partner. going? It's great. You okay. Know, Must be complicate things with Christine. But. It hurts at first, but then it feels great. Yeah, um, like so, so many things. <laughs> he said, and I, he thought it was very funny. He says, an optimist is someone who... Um, who is in a good mood or tells you things are okay when he's doing fine. Right. So that's yeah. like an optimist. There you go. But like the, it's the people who, when things aren't going so great, they're still feeling positive or they're trying to lift you up. That's true. Centered positivity. Hmm. Yeah. So people could get very right. uh, jealous, upset, myself included. Hey, I'm great. Look at my new car or whatever. Yeah. Right I'm now. very thankful for all of my money and riches yes. and fame. Thank God. I'm you so know. rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's Famous. so beautiful. Beautiful. Um, God bless this jawline. <sighs> you should, did you? Okay. That's what? an interesting that you should say that. Why? Because did you know there's an epidemic among young men who see like these little imperfections in their, in their facial features and then think that they're not somehow like classically attractive? There's, okay. It's this whole psychological thing. I've thought that my whole life. What's the difference? Seriously? Well, who cares though? I mean, like nobody's perfectly classically attractive. It's weird. It's weird though because John it's Stamos. Like, it's become a real thing. Oh yeah, like for young men, kind of casually psychological problems over this stuff. Wow. Yeah, like minor flaws that they they see in their face and that you like, like my knocks teeth. them out of the dating pool and stuff. I have a, a space in my teeth. 
And so I, people find that attractive, though. Well, my, not my dentist, because the first time I went to of this dude, dentist wants he to said, just charge you money to fix it. He goes, hey, and I hadn't ever thought to myself, boy, I better get this fixed. He goes, you want me to fix that? And I go, fix what? Yeah. The space in your teeth. Oh, he was fucking, like, psychologically manipulating yeah. you. And I said, he was Fuck trying you. to, like, yeah. Mm. That's like a uh, pickup artist shit. Like, Unbelievable. You, you, first thing you do when you meet somebody is comment on, on, a, on a minor yeah, yeah, flaw, yeah. and then it gets in their head. Wanted me to fix that? Yeah, I'm yeah. still thinking. This was like six years ago. <laughs> I'm still thinking ah. about it. I don't know. So maybe it's better to just share the, your, your gratitude for your sobriety, or yeah. to remind yourself why you're grateful for your sobriety. Yeah, this be could thoughtful. be reflecting on positive changes since becoming sober, the challenges you've overcome, or the future you're building. Keeping those reasons at the forefront can strengthen your resolve against pressure to drink. Yeah, the better you feel about yourself, or the, I should, for myself, the better I feel, the easier it is for me to go to a Thanksgiving dinner and not care that everyone's getting soused. And when yeah. the wine comes out, everybody goes, oh, it's a good vintage. Mm. And they swirl it around and they look at the viscosity of the wine dripping down the sides of the... Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Yeah. What wine goes with turkey? I don't know. I used to like Pinot Noir. That's a great question. It's a, we- it's a weird choice, but... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All I turkey, but I don't care. It doesn't matter how many White Claws uh, I used to drink, you know, <laughs> in the bathroom during Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't want white to do White Claw it goes very well with, with, uh, with turkey. <laughs> Six White Claws down <laughs> in one minute do not go well with Thanksgiving dinner, just <laughs> FYI. Um, so turning, turning the lens around and offering support to others, right? This is a thing that we do in recovery. We offer support to yep. other people. Uh, so expressing gratitude can also take the form of offering support or encouragement to others who might be facing similar challenges. Mm-hmm. This can reinforce your own commitment to sobriety while also providing a sense of purpose and community. Right? Sound good? Yeah. Okay. Everyone wants to, f- to commiserate, um, to co-positate. I just, that's not a word. We it? could create new th- traditions too. We could develop Thanksgiving traditions that focus on gratitude and sobriety. This may include a special activity that you may find fulfilling or a new way of celebrating that doesn't center around alcohol. Oh, but like a coloring book. Pin the tail on the alcoholic eh. or something. I you know, know, this actually, <laughs> along these lines, when I was a kid, I had a, a friend who lived nearby, visited us. He, his family was, was uh, came from Brooklyn home recently, and so he had come to our house for Thanksgiving just because, you know, he, we invited him and mm-hmm. he sort of needed it. And uh, so that year at my house, we had Thanksgiving, and this kid had some balls. I have to say how impressed I am. I mean, maybe balls isn't the right thing, but at our Thanksgiving dinner amongst family he didn't know and everything like that, he stood up at, at the beginning of the table, and we're like in eighth grade, keep in mind. He says, we have a tradition at my house that I'd like to share with you. I couldn't believe it, like the poise on this wow. kid. He says, we like to, we do this. We say what we're grateful for. Everyone at the table has to say one thing they're grateful for this Thanksgiving. And ever since then, we did it. And really? we still do it to this day. No kidding. He ended up in recovery. I ran in, into him at an AA meeting years later, interestingly. But, uh, wow. Yeah. That's, is that interesting? That is. Yeah. I don't think we're going to do that. Um, <laughs> but we still do it, and nobody remembers why, but I do. That's amazing. I'm like, remember when Nolan did that back then? Oh, yeah. Um, True story. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Have I beaten the horse of gratitude to, to, to death? The horse of gratitude has been beaten, and um, I'm a big believer in being positive. You guys know out there that uh, I like to, to try and stay positive. I try and be the one lifting people up. Um, I hate to see 
um, when pe- you, I can see it when they start to get negative and things start to spiral and they start thinking about this bad thing chained to the next bad thing. Yeah. I feel like it's on us as recovered uh, people who know the power of positivity um, and not to minimize people's problems or your own problems, but to, to think positively. It goes a long way. So think about that this Thanksgiving. The power of positive thinking. Wasn't that a thing? The PPT. Oh, no. Positive mental attitude. That's a recovery thing. That was John Joseph, PMA. Oh, yeah. Positive mental attitude. Positive mental attitude. Uh, okay, just got a message from Ryan, actually, asking oh. when we were recording again. We're recording right now. Little does he know that we're doing it at this very moment. Yeah, it's grateful that Ryan is back on his feet and uh, back in action. Um, all right, so I think that covers our Thanksgiving gratitude stuff. And as far as seeking a supportive community, you found it. RMA, your recovery... Support group. Your recovery support group in a bottle. Yes. No, All right. Outside the bottle. We rather. do have uh, recovery in the news. Just wait. I'm finding the fucking thing. I'm trying to move it along. But I know uh, you're trying to move it along. <laughs> I, I, I wish I had a hilarious joke to tell. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do today to get to, uh, get to work. On my car. I just don't trust it. I don't trust it. Uh, your car will be fine. Hmm. Hopefully. Ready? Recovery in the news. Yeah! All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery. Recovery in the news. Motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving edition. (laughs) Recovery in the news. Yeah, so recovery in the news this week is um, a story on NPR. Old National Public Radio, uh, which may, may be familiar with. What's uh, that called? Do, 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 do. Right. All things considered. All things considered. This is NPR. Yeah. I've always wanted to <laughs> say that good, on the radio. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for it, indulging my fantasies here. So the, the title of this interview slash article is uh, One Woman's Controversial Fight to Make America Accept Drug Users for Who They Are. Who it tells are they? the story of Louise Vincent. Uh, who was an activist for in the harm reduction movement. Hmm. And when she was introduced at a policy conference last month in Phoenix, the huge crowd erupted in applause because um, she has been a huge advocate for people accepting addicts as they are and not um, treating them like substandard human beings. Well, that's right? nice, because they yes. do that, guys. That's uh, real. Um, now, she is not sober. She... Uh, began using drugs at age 13 and has never been able to live sober long term. And what they told me, she said, was if I couldn't get off drugs, I wasn't doing something right. And that's not true, she said. Um, She pointed to research showing that abstinence-focused approaches to recovery don't work for many people who experience addiction. True. Her ideas, of course, are controversial and face serious opposition for many U.S. politicians. And nobody knows things more than U.S. Yeah. politicians, right? Uh, many Democrats and Republicans want tougher laws and longer pr- prison sentences to combat fentanyl. But Vincent has emerged as one of the leading voices in the U.S. pushing to humanize and rally help for drug users like herself, even when they are not willing or able to live sober. We've made it okay to abandon people who use drugs. We tell an entire group of people it's okay if they die, she said. Um, her 
basic argument is drug abstinence hasn't worked and it's time to try something new. We've had a real push for abstinence for how many years now and where have we got? Yeah, this old argument, you know, it says... Uh, doesn't sound like you think much of this well, old argument. you know, it's one of those things we've been kicking around since we started thinking about this stuff and I still don't know what the answer is. Well, um, her argument is that the stigma and the rejection and isolation of addicts deepens the cycle of addiction and self-destructive behavior yeah. that leaves people like herself vulnerable. What's the other side of that? Are we, like, supporting destructive behavior? I mean, it's, it goes both ways. Like, there's some kind of balance we have to strike. And it's not like condoning this kind of uh, self-destructive, you know, fringe behavior. And it's also not forcing them into some kind of draconian you know, like abstinence world. I, I just don't know. It's not the Dr. Dr. Carl Hart method of being able to go score some heroin at 7-Eleven and kick back in front of the TV. I'm so torn on this issue. I, my mind changes every time I read something or think about my own experiences. I'm just, I just don't know. Well, her plan, she has like a three, three point plan that she thinks should be put into practice in the country as sort of the normal way of, of dealing with addiction. Okay. One, giving drug users basic health care and access to clean needles and other supplies that are proven to reduce disease. Uh, I'm okay with that one. Yeah. Uh, making medical treatments for opioid addiction like methadone and buprenorphine far more accessible and affordable. Definitely. I'm all for that all one for too. That. Uh, and then when street Drug use threatens to disrupt neighborhoods, responding with affordable housing, counseling, and other supports, not more arrests. I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but like, what, what, what are we suggesting? Are we going to build affordable housing just because there are drug addicts who can't work because they're sick? Like, I believe in affordable housing, but I don't know that that will be a positive motivation for people to get behind, support, and vote for. That's what I'm thinking. I think safe consumption sites and, and healthcare and all that is, is great. Yeah. I think any government or public interaction with addiction, like fentanyl addiction or uh, xylazine or whatever else people are doing these days, if it doesn't come with some clearly defined off-ramp, yeah. I think that's a problem because I don't think people even know enough to make a decision whether they really like using drugs and want to continue and, and whether that's a choice they're making right. or whether or not you have to pull the cloud of gauze over the, away from their eyes to give them a chance to actually yeah. have a reasonable ability to make a choice like that. And really, if you believe that so much of this stuff comes from trauma, like just saying, okay, here's clean needles and, and some, some pharmaceutical grade heroin without addressing the underlying issues. Is that yeah. mental health treatment at all? No. So part of me is like, I'm always thinking about how do we present these solutions? Not just what are the solutions, but what are the solutions presented in a way that could actually garner support and really materialize. So maybe that's where I'm struggling. Like, of course, I believe in we should support every addict who wants to get sober. And if you're going to, like you said, interface with them in a legal way, like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that, but we're not throwing you in jail. We've got a rehab you can go to if you want, not forced. Not only that, there's more support services. Mm. That would be great. How do you get taxpayers to pay for it, people to vote for it? You got to you know, drop the stigma 
So, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, there's I so much. I don't see that happening. I yeah. mean, you look at what happened in, in Portland when they, they legalized hard yeah. drugs, Prop 110, and, you know, without having the support systems in place. Right. And it was a fucking disaster. And it's going to result in the boomerang coming back the other way. And it's just going to be more arrests, you know? Yeah, at some point, they have to go all in on a, on a solution, support it with money, votes, and public sentiment. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what that looks like, but I think the more we talk about it, the more the stigma is lessened, I think the better off we are. Yeah, but on the flip side, like, the more people see, like, videos coming out of Kensington and the Tenderloin in, in San Francisco, and the more people see that as... A public as a, as a, a, a an issue of crime and something that's dangerous to, yeah. to other people because it you becomes, are not going to get a, a soft fuzzy soft landing uh, when it comes to drug policy. I mean, again, it's it's really all tied up in the healthcare system, yeah, you know, and what what we prioritize, and you know, it's complex solutions are not done very well in this country by politicians, right? No. Because it would probably be, you know, you'd have to start with universal health care that includes therapy for all ages. Right. So people have access to mental health care as much as or, you know, as much as for sure as physical health care that should be covered. And if we have preventative mental health support, maybe you would have less of a need to treat drug addiction because people would at least have this kind of supports and get comfortable with mental health counseling before they need it. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. Maybe you start there, but that's decades away. And well, uh, I mean, it's a crisis now, you know, what, what does it mean if you're, if you're well-adjusted in a sick society, right? I mean, maybe <laughs> if you take a, if you take a, you know, what, a, a study I'd like to see, and I'm sure it's been done and maybe some of our listeners could enlighten us is, you know, a country like Portugal that basically passed the equivalent of prop 110 in Portland, but had, you know, it was very carefully planned out, and they had all the social structures in place. That's to basically decriminalize or legalize, right? Decriminalize, narcotics. legalize. But Portugal had the treatment centers set up. They had the the um, universal health care and so on. As as do a lot of these uh, soft on drugs Scandinavian countries. I would love to see what the addiction rate is in yeah. some of these countries versus uh, the United States. You know. And, and just do a comparison because yeah. addiction is way up in this country in the last few years. People are dying. You know, it's, it's an emergency out in the streets yeah. and we don't seem to have an answer other than put people in jail or on the one hand or legalize everything on the other hand. And yeah. Neither approach seems to be the, the right nuanced approach. approach is the difficult one. So I guess we're not going to crack that nut <laughs> on today's show. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy everybody. Thanksgiving. There are no answers. It's <laughs> chaos. Don't um, do fentanyl. I just wanted to repeat something you just said that I thought was really poignant. What does it mean to be well-adjusted in a evil society? Sick society. In a sick society. That is a great thing we should all ask ourselves because <laughs> that just made me think like, yeah, what does it mean if you're well-adjusted in a sick society? What does it mean? I, I don't know. It just seems to me like so much shit is spiraling out of control, like uh, domestically, internationally, yeah. and, you know... I don't know. Great questions all. Send us your answers to Mike R. <laughs> MiddleAgesRecovery.com. Please do. Because we don't have them. We're hoping you do. No, we're just two knuckleheads that do a podcast. <laughs> Recovery in the news. Thanksgiving edition. You got one? I, I got one. 
um, because this has actually been in the news. We've spoken about it a little bit. It has to do with the great Jaime Wait, Musan. Should I? Is it time for the week and weird? Week and weird. Uh, so Jaime Musan. Jaime Jaime Musan is a famous Mexican presenter. Oh, right. Who had these? Found these Peruvian uh, mummies of aliens. In any case, the uh, <laughs> the story goes: alien bodies revisited at second. Mexican congressional hearing on UFOs. Oh, there was a follow-up hearing. Yep. Okay. So this is legit here, guys, as far as the Mexican parliament is concerned. <laughs> wow. Um, by Tim Benal. A second Mexican congressional hearing on UFOs held this week saw further discussions surrounding a pair of peculiar mummified bodies, which some contend are aliens. The eyebrow-raising remains said to have been discovered in Peru spawned worldwide headlines back in September when journalist and ufologist Jaime Musan. Jaime. On, yeah, that's how he pronounces it. I love it. It's just Jamie, but Jaime oh. uh, Musan. So unveiled them to politicians at the first gathering devoted to exploring UFOs. On Tuesday, Mexico's Congress tackled the topic for a second time, and once again, the mysterious alien bodies took center stage with multiple witnesses testifying to their unusual nature. Uh, sharing new photos and x-rays. They actually have x-rays of these things with like, one of them has like eggs. It's like pregnant. It's crazy. Um, Isn't this guy like a known fraudster though? Yeah, he has a, a history of fraud. <laughs> uh, Dr. Daniel Mendoza reportedly posited that these were of non, they were non-human beings. While Musan took it a step further and argued that they were some kind of new species and asserted that these entities possessed neither lungs nor ribs. Uh, as to suggestions, uh, as to suggestions that the remains were cobbled together in a fashion similar to a Fiji mermaid, anthropologist Roger Zuniga, uh, Zuniga declared that quote there was possibly absolutely no human intervention in the physical and biological formation of these beings. He also furnished a letter signed by eleven, count them eleven, of his colleagues from San Luis Gonzaga National University who echoed. <laughs> Yes. That sentiment. I'm going to send Jack there. So we're looking at that college next week. Though, uh, guest lecturer at DeVry University, though uh, they stopped short of calling the beings extraterrestrials. Uh, among other people speaking at the gathering were an Argentine surgeon who postulated that the beings were, quote, our descendants. And in an appropriately strange turn of events. What do you mean our descendants? That's what he says. What does that mean? We were descended from lizard people. Uh, the events of the hearing, Mexican musician Claudia Yarto, who recounted his own sighting of something anomalous, and then delighted the audience with a rap to close out his portion of the... So they have a guy rapping in Congress. I love this. Uh, it, be, it doesn't sound any worse than what goes on in our Congress. I promise People this is almost trying over. Trying to beat the shit out of each other. It is uncertain how the entire three-hour affair was seen by the politicians in attendance, though one official declared that, quote, all ideas and proposals will always be welcome to debate uh, hear them to agree with them or not to agree. If there's one thing that seems certain following the hearing, it's that we have probably not heard or seen the last of the mysterious Peruvian mummies. Thank you, Tim Banal. So, I think it's only a matter of time before he starts driving those around and charging people a couple of bucks to look at them. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because one of the reasons I wanted to read this is because last night, and I don't talk to Noah too much about this stuff, but he came to me and he goes, did you hear about these alien bodies that were in the Mexican government or something? I said, 
oh my goodness, it's getting to the kids now. Yeah. So we talked about it. I watched a little bit of a documentary about it with them. It's funny. I, I just don't understand why they can't just do a DNA test. They did. I like it's part of the show. At a legitimate laboratory, like with an actual doctor and not these with cranks. Wrapping. You don't think a wrapping surgeon is, is uh. credible? And that's Week in Weird, brought to you by Scott Wick. I'm only doing this for you, Scott. I was going to skip it completely, but I knew he'd be out there wringing his hands in the air saying, Damn you, Netix! <laughs> All right, let's yeah. get out of here. And that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? Yes, sir, I did. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com. No. Well, someday they'll listen when it's fixed. So okay. we have to think ahead. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube. So... XSXUX. Yeah. Get us on Twitter or X. So tweet us a twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. Drop us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Join the private Facebook group. Come say hello. Or write Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com, and we will read your story. Uh, join us on the Inner Sanctum at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages for video episodes, uh, exclusive content, merch, and more. Merch. And finally. <laughs> we don't have any of those things. The, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. Tell somebody at this Thanksgiving you're sitting around the table and Uncle... Tell your drunk uncle. Uncle Sam or whatever uncle is... Sam. Uncle Sam is <laughs> drunk and you just want to share the show. Or maybe one of your family members reveals that he's struggling or she's struggling. Show her the podcast. Um, so share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say... Non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. We'll see you next time. Have a great Thanksgiving and stay fresh cheese bags. Stay fresh cheese bags. We are thankful for you. We love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.